Hello and welcome to Access Chat. I'm very excited to introduce Jacqueline and Alexa Child today. They are from Datability, uh, not because I'm excited to be dating, um, <laughs> but because it's a topic that I think really impacts a lot of people. Everybody can relate to the need for love and the need for partnership. And so it's something that's a, a real human need and that, that, that's been addressed here. So welcome to the show. Welcome, Jacqueline. Welcome, Alexa. Jacqueline, you're on my left and waving and Alexia with the plat or braid, depending on which side of the Atlantic you're on. So that got that done. Can you tell me a little bit about yourselves and how you came to be um, interested in creating a dating app that's not Tinder or something, you know, uh, equally... Um, salacious or seedy um, and that really is focused on the disability community. What what drove you to um, make a startup in this space? Hi everyone, um, I'm Jacqueline and I am um, 28 and we are sisters and we live in Denver, Colorado and I'm a disabled woman. I became disabled due to chronic illness as a teenager. And I really, you know, I, I really started to experience discrimination and ableism in the dating space, particularly um, once I graduated college. I would, I'd, I was rejected a lot. Um, I struggled with disclosing my disability at any point, at any point of any mention of disability or chronic illness. I would either get rejected, people would um, say really offensive comments to me, or they would just ghost me and say that they're not interested anymore. Um, and so after years and years of going through this, I we started Datability and you can take away... Yeah, um, I'm Alexa. Thank you for having us. I am going to be 33 in like four days, so we'll go with that. Um, and I am Jacqueline's older sister, and we live together, and I watched her go through these experiences, and then also watching her experience made me more aware of ableism on the dating apps, like putting um, in your profile... I'm looking for somebody who's quote unquote healthy or who cares about their health. And I always wondered, well, what does that mean? Because my sister is chronically ill and disabled as a result, but she cares about her health. And, you know, in fact, she spends the majority of her days at doctors managing and taking care of her health. Um, and so I really noticed this attitude on the dating apps and watched what she was going through. And it really frustrated me. She's you know, beautiful, kind, smart compassionate, has so much to give and offer someone, and she's being rejected and treated poorly because of something she can't control. Um, and so when about October 2021, she made the tough decision to get a feeding tube. And I panicked as to what that would look like for her dating life. You know, I was already kind of panicked about what that would look like for our lives. You know, typically we like to cook together bake together, go out to dinner, go out to brunch. And that was all about to change. And I couldn't imagine how someone who's not familiar with disabilities or views disabilities as a negative would react to that. And so it was at that moment that I said, we should make our own dating app for people like you. And that's when Datability was born. 
Excellent. So thank you. That's a great summary and background. And and I think that some as someone that grew up before the amplification of, of dating, it was um it was always fraught with um difficulty anyway. Um I, I think that as someone that is neurodivergent don't necessarily read signals or communicate very well sometimes on these things. So so I think that the, the, there are challenges for all sorts of different disability communities in the in the whole space of uh, of dating. Um, but I, I do agree with you that the, the whole topic of bringing up disability and disclosing becomes really fraught with difficulty is when you're trying to find a partner. At the same time, you know, I can just only imagine that if you hide it and you find out that your partner's ableist, that's going to be, uh, you know, a horrible foundation for a for a relationship. So, having it up front um, is really important. And yes, you, you're then sort of bringing people that are happy to to, to date you as you. Um, rather than date you for the idealized vision of you in their head. So I, on the on the sort of technical side of things, how do you find people? How do you sort of? Is there a sort of process for signing up? Do you, do you, you know, say you must be disabled and therefore, or is it a case of actually? anyone can join so long as they're happy to be in a relationship with someone that identifies as being disabled yeah that's a good question and the way you said if you hide it and then it turns out your partner is ableist that's kind of the attitude i always took when comforting jacqueline so when these things would happen i would say well good riddance because our health is ever evolving and you don't want to be with somebody that views disability or chronic illness like that because if something gets worse even if you were not chronically ill today they might not be with you for the long haul so i always said that's not somebody you want in your life um, and that, on that note, so for datability, we are open to everyone. We encourage everyone to join able-bodied, non-disabled. We do believe it's a really good way to weed out the ableists because they're not going to join an app that is predominantly disabled users. But for those like me who, you know, has a sibling who's disabled or somebody who has a parent or a best friend, um, you know, they don't view it as a negative and they're happy to sign up and look for love on our platform. And so we are also open to all sorts of disabilities. So intellectual, psychiatric, physical, um, you know, we want that diversity. We don't believe that someone with one type of disability has to date another person with the exact same disability. Uh, where's the fun in that? And so we want that diversity and inclusiveness. That's really important to us. And then I can talk about the signing up process. It does function so much like, Tinder or Hinge or Bumble. We wanted it to be a sophisticated, fun app for this community. Uh, attempts have been made before and the tech is shoddy. You know, it crashes. It's not good. Um, like so many other things for this community, it's just subpar. So we wanted to make it look and feel like all the other apps. And so when you sign on, you sign on like normal, you enter your bio, pictures, um, but then what makes us different is that each profile has a section called datability deets. 
And it's an extensive list of broad terms used to describe somebody. So wheelchair user, immunocompromised, neurodivergent, food allergy, no diagnoses. It is completely optional because we want people to feel comfortable sharing what they want to share. But they can check off what describes them. Um, There's a type in option as well. And it shows up on their profile under basic information because at the end of the day, one's disability or chronic illness is just a fact about them. Um, It's not their whole identity, but it's something that is a part of them. And we think that this reduces the anxiety that one may feel when having to disclose. It makes our users feel seen because we see them and what they're going through. and it also neutralizes and destigmatizes disability by putting it under the basic information, no shame, nothing to hide, here it is. Well, I, I just, I, I'm very impressed with what I see that, that you're doing. So thank you both for being on the show. And I know this is a new venture for you, but you already have, you were telling me you already have 3,000 people signed up, which is impressive. And it's it's also a very complicated topic, and we had talked about this a little bit the other day, But and you are bringing up the word identity. And it, it's also interesting. I know we use the word ableism a lot in the States. I don't see that used as much in other countries. And I, um, I understand why we're using that word, but at the same time, I, I fear that word continues to separate us because <clears throat> as we break down who we are, as human beings. And I think we have to be deliberate right now. We have to be very deliberate about telling you who we are because those things have been glossed over so much in the, in the world. So I, <clears throat> I don't right now, but I usually have on my signature line, um, she, her, hers. Do I need to tell you that I'm a woman? Well, I don't necessarily maybe need to tell you that, but I tell you that because I honor the identity efforts that are being going, that are going on with that part of the world. So um, I think this is a very complicated topic. And then you take, um, you were two, in, in my estimation, you were two beautiful young women that both, you know, have a lot to offer a partner. But we see people dating at all ages, for goodness sakes, I'm not saying my age anymore, but I'm a mature woman and I'm dating. And it's it's a weird word to begin with, I think. I mean, you see Neil saying, oh, no, I'm not on a dating app. But he doesn't want his wife to come in and smack him over the head. But it, it's still, it's such a powerful topic based on the times. It's always been an issue. We see People going on. One thing I didn't realize, my sister is dating because she also lost her husband. But I didn't realize, for example, that some of these these apps like Match.com, 60% of the uh, 60% are men. There are not as many women on these sites. So women usually can go on these dating sites for free because there are more men than women. I didn't know things like that. So it's just, there are so many dynamics with this. And then of course, you are you are saying dateability. So you need to make sure everything you're doing is fully accessible. And I know we talked about that the other day and y'all made a commitment with that, but it's a really big topic that you're taking on. It's a really, really big topic, but I think it's a very important topic because I, once again, just looking at you two women, it's so because I can see, I see, you know, that Jacqueline is a beautiful, dark haired woman with a beautiful smile. I mean, she's stunning, just saying, but, and then Alexa, I look at you and you're also a beautiful woman, but 
It is, of course, there's so much to what I just said with that as well, right? Because what if I have Down syndrome, like my beautiful daughter, Sarah Rue, you know? So it's what you're doing is really what we are trying to do at Access Chat, what we're doing at Billion Strong, what we're doing at the Valuable 500. What we're trying to do is take these very, very complicated topics and make sure we're included. And I love that you, um, this is for anyone. And so if I was a person, which I am, looking for a partner and I wanted to really go into a place where people are um, authentically identifying who they are and their lived experiences, your lived experience, Alexa, as somebody that is living with a sister and watching what your sister walking, that gives you quite a bit of experience uh, of what it's like to live with a certain type of disability, right? I have those experiences. I, myself, and Neil, we both are neurodiverse. We have those lived experiences. You know, how can we try to encourage more people to really appreciate all the different pieces of who we are? You know, Alexa, you have a beautiful, amazing sister that has been dealing with chronic health issues and dealing with society rejecting her through something that is not her fault at all. What has that lived experience taught you and why is that so important? And then back to Jacqueline, how do you, I, I'm just sort of just trying to get the audience to think about the complexity of these topics. And so let me turn it over to you too, because I know we've already had some of these conversations, but it's a pretty big deal that you're taking on. And why would you even try to do it right now? Yeah. I mean, you're right. My lived experience is different than like, the lived experience of most of my friends who do not have a disabled or chronically ill sister. Um, I think going through these experiences with Jacqueline has made me a much more compassionate and understanding person. I'm less quick to judge um, on, especially on surface level things. Like I said, I notice things on dating apps, prompts that people put on their profiles that I probably would not have noticed if it wasn't for Jacqueline, um, just the attitudes towards health and being healthy. And, you know, I also have learned to not take my health, my current state of health for granted. I know, you know, Jacqueline wasn't born disabled and it came about from a bad bout of a mono. So I know that anything can change at any second. And so to really appreciate where I'm at today and also have compassion for those who are in the disability community, because it's really the only minority that anybody can be a part of at any minute. Um, you know, so and, you know, it's different from race and ethnicity where that's, you know, you're born a certain race or ethnicity and you're not going to switch or change, you know, join that one group, but disability is different. We can be a part of that community and that minority, which is the largest minority um, anytime. And so I am always very aware of that and just try to treat people with kindness. And I wish other people who are not part of the community understood that as well, because maybe if they understood that they would be more accepting and wouldn't look at it as a negative because when they join that community, they're not going to want to see themselves as a negative or as broken. So I wish that they wouldn't treat others like that. Yeah. I, I think that our experiences are very unique. Um, she has spent so much time with me that she does see um, a lot more than the average person would see with who's not disabled. Um, but identity is really important in this conversation. I think a lot of people are really nervous to identify as disabled um, or 
they're they use, they see the word disabled as an insult. And so they're afraid to ask someone if they have a disability. And it's just so important if we can neutralize that conversation and just say something, have it be neutral and it just have it be a fact and not be ashamed about it. And it's a lot easier said than done because there are so many factors that go into why we're so ashamed of disability and why we're why we we can be embarrassed of it, and it, a lot of it stems from society and how they have perceived us for so long. And you know, their efforts were always last to be included in everything. It's we've made, you know, there's a lot of um, talk around sexuality and racism, and we have Black Lives Matters protests and Pride, and those are amazing and we need to continue to do that. But we also need to remember that disabilities are the largest minority and that there's so much intersectionality. And, um, you know, there's people who are gay who are disabled and then there's trans disabled people. And we need to just come together and put that same energy that we're putting towards fighting all these other horrible things into fighting for equality and equity for disabled people and make these things accessible because ultimately that is a huge barrier in coming together as a society. Um, things just aren't accessible for so many disabled people and we need to really up our efforts and make things more inclusive. I agree. And I just want to state because um, I know that Antonio has a question, but Alexa had mentioned this, I think, or Jacqueline, you might have mentioned it, but no, it was Alexa. But the reality is when you look at our 1.3 to 1.7 billion people with disabilities, at least 75 to 80 percent of those individuals were not born with that disability. They acquired that disability. And so people like my daughter, um, I guess people like Neil and myself, we were born with neurodiverse. God thought that was funny. Okay. Um, and my daughter was born with an extra chromosome, but my husband, he was hit by a car as a child and he acquired a traumatic brain injury, which, and so I just think, I just also want to point out that sadly, part of the reason why I think we're having such identity problems for um, is that many people that acquire a disability or born with a disability, if they can hit it, remember about 80% are invisible or have hidden disabilities. And so people don't want to identify because they themselves see us, you know, because society puts such unnecessary pressures on us. But let me turn it over to Antonio. No, what I want to talk is about uh, the fact that uh, many existing apps that we know t today that uh, um, uh, in, you know, uh, claim to to improve people in in terms of building relationships you know they are they don't really have a great reputation between people with disabilities and people with different groups so my question to you is how you build a system that people can trust and people people feel confident in joining making sure that somebody is not going to bully them for for no reason yeah, that's a really important part of this whole process. And I think we're doing it really well. Um, we are making a brand presence for ourselves. We're going on talks like this, various podcasts, press, and putting our faces out there so that people know that there are actually two people behind this who care so much and they're so dedicated to making this the app. 
of course, there's always obstacles that can come in and, you know, make things a little more difficult for us. But we're we're always the ones tackling those obstacles and, you know, responding to every email um, that we get, every customer support request that we get. And we're also taking that feedback that we get from our, our user base and and making the app a better place. Um, we, we know that no app is perfect and datability is not perfect either. But if we're trying and we're putting in the effort to make it the best app that we deserve, I think that it makes a huge difference. Um, you know, we're also free. So we don't expect people to shell out $10 a month or $35 a month like the mainstream apps and not sign up for something that they don't know what they're getting. And we think that's a great way to build trust. We want our product out there. We want to give this community something. That's our biggest priority. We're, we're not here to make billions of dollars. We're here to really change the world. Okay. And, and, and that's great to hear. I, I mean, I've got a quick question about your funding model and your sustainability model. So if you're free, are you ad funded or are you um, backed in some other way? Yeah. So while Jacqueline says we're not here to make billions of dollars, of course, it is a business and eventually we would like to turn a profit. <laughs> um, so right now we are free and we're pre-revenue. So we are not making any money from DataBility and DataBility itself is not making any money. Um, but soon we will be implementing ads and we want the ads to be for products and services that the disability and chronic ill community can actually use. We don't want it to be for something random. Um, we really want to support and lift up other brands that are dedicated to accessibility. So we will begin ad, uh, implementing ads and gaining revenue from that. And then we will be implementing a subscription model eventually. There will always be a free version. So it will always be free for those who want it or can't afford to pay the subscription. But we will be adding a subscription model with added features and benefits. Uh, we will want to keep the cost low at about $10 a month. We do want it to be accessible always. Um, and frankly, that's something that prevents me from pay, ha, in the past paying for the other apps because they are $35, $45 a month. And that's a lot. If it was $10, maybe, you know, okay, that's different. But $45... I don't know. <laughs> um, to, yeah. but So we will keep those costs low and we will be implementing that as well. Excellent. So, yeah, I mean, that, 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 that was one thing. And I think the, you say you've got 3,000 users already, which, you know, pre, you know, as a, as a starting point is, is pretty reasonable. Um, any success stories so far in terms of, you know, people meeting the love of their lives? Because um, obviously that, I mean, it's nice to to you know be on a dating site, but but the purpose is obviously to match people up with people that they have shared values and that that um, you know beyond attraction, right? Because it's not just about attraction. I think a lot of a lot of a lot of uh, dating apps are just about the 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 look of people. You know, it's it's like oh swipe 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 from from what I've read, obviously. Um, rather than um, the the more cerebral, which is when you're finding a life partner, I think you want someone where there is the, uh, a connection at a, a deeper level than just the physical attraction. So can, are you able to demonstrate that already? Yeah. yeah, so people have been 
um, you know, going on dates and, and, you know, finding a partner. We know of one com- couple who started dating. Unfortunately, um, the relationship, you know, didn't end up going anywhere. Wasn't the right time, but it's so exciting to hear that even within four months of launching, we've had a couple come out of dateability. I know I spent over five years on the dating apps and could never find a boyfriend. So four months on a brand new dating app um, is is amazing. And we were so excited for our first dateability wedding. We, we, we want an invite to that wedding. Um, but, you know, that's that's the best part is just hearing that people are meeting people, just simply talking to others, um, finding that community and that connection. I think sometimes being chronically ill or disabled is very isolating and no one you know, can understand you. You feel like you're alone in this world. And just having this place where there are like-minded people. And of course, no two people will share the exact same experience. And But there, there's there's those similarities and you can vent and not feel judged. So we're really excited to see all of the couples that come out of dateability and we're growing every week. And so it's, it's really looking, looking good for our users. Yeah. Over 13,000 messages have been exchanged on the app so far, which is incredible. And I've also heard from people who, because they're disabled, they kind of shut off the idea of dating until dateability came to be. And then they're like, I had to, I have done so much thinking and evaluating about what I want in a partner. And so it kind of, even if they're not meeting somebody right away, the fact that it's now a possibility and they're thinking about that and having those conversations with within themselves and among their friends is also, you know, wonderful to hear because everyone deserves love. And so that's what we want to give this community. And then eventually we also would like to add a friendship feature. And so that people who want to just have platonic friendships, whether they're in romantic relationships or just not interested in that, they can go on and really foster these relationships and find companionship on dateability. Um, Jacqueline and Alexa, uh, I'm fascinated with, obviously I'm fascinated with this because it ties to identity. And I know that y'all have been very kind and you've agreed to join Billion Strong and do some, some, some columns and some, uh, you know, really take on this dating um, because this is a very, very, very big topic for everybody, but definitely for our community. Um, but at the same time, uh, I'm curious, some of the data that you are starting to collect, you know, um, <clears throat> understanding privacy and all that stuff. I know it's, you're very concerned about privacy and security. Um, so I'm not saying that, but I think what's interesting though, is what you're doing is you're encouraging people to, you know, come out and be who they are, come out Come on and identify whatever speaks to you about your personality or or who you are. You don't have to, in every single conversation, tell people that I have ADHD. Really, at a certain point, people don't care. But I'm curious about how um, we can use that data in the future, because you're learning a lot about, can I date and be fully authentic. Now I'm a woman of a different age, right? So do I go on um, a dating app and start, because I see a lot of people, um, I, I'm not on any dating app right now, even though I'm a, I want to explore dating, dateability. I want to understand what you're doing. And also my daughter is very interested in joining um, because she's 35 years old and she wants love in her life. And she's actually a little aggravated with me that I'm dating somebody and she's not. 
because I already was married. Right. So it's the nuances of these conversations are really intense. But I and I know we had also talked a little bit um, when we had our conversation offline about how important it is right now for corporations to understand the work life balance that people are um, walking and how. Well, corporations don't want to talk about dating apps. That's ridiculous. But at the same time, humans work for corporations and corporations need to understand all the different variables that we're dealing with in our life, including sometimes dating can be very, very stressful. So and can and can impact our performance at work and our and blah, blah, blah. So I think looking for opportunities to bring more of these conversations into the workforce in a more meaningful way. You know, you know, so many people meet the person that they wind up being with in the workforce. I know my husband, my husband that's passed, that's where I met him. He was a manager and I was dating him and you weren't supposed to do that, but you know, we did. So I, I just think there's so many different nuances like that. And I'm wondering if you've, Think if you thought any about any of those types of nuances about what you're doing. Yeah, I think part of the reason why this conversation is is such a hot topic is because it's so relatable and it's relatable to everyone, whether you have a disability or not. Every mostly everyone dates at some point in their life, and I think m- mostly everyone also has a rough experience with it at some point. You know, dating's hard for everyone, but we really want it to be fun and it should be fun and it should be easy. And putting this chronic illness up front, it could be an obstacle on dating in, you know, other ways on the mainstream dating apps. I really struggled to do, I just tell someone up front that I have a chronic illness and see how they react or do I wait until I trust them a little more? And in the end, it didn't really matter with the people I was talking to. They they all saw me as unattractive due to my disabilities. And so it's a it is such an important conversation to weave into all these different parts of life because, like you said, it does affect the workforce. You know, people dating and going through breakups or falling in love and being distracted. Um, so it's so, it is such an important conversation to have and we want to also weave accessibility into those conversations as well. Corporations, you know, some of them are starting to make efforts to accessibility and starting to create accessibility innovations and it's long overdue but we're glad that it's happening now and we hope to be a part of those types of conversations about about love and dating, and then also disability. Because from our data, we see that most of our users have a chronic illness. And in the United States, there's over 130 million people with a chronic condition. And so that's, that's a huge number. And I think, you know, if you're not chronically ill yourself, or if you don't have a chronic condition, you know someone who does. And so it really affects everyone. And it affects society as a whole. Yeah. No, I think that's, that's that's a really important point. I I also wonder whether or not there's room for tips, right? So um, that maybe over time there can be things for relationship advice as well, because you know how how to how to live with someone that is as annoying as Neil with his ADHD, who's not going, you know, not meaning to be annoying, but 
you know, wanders through the house opening doors and forgetting to shut them and sort of leaves half drunk drinks around the place and, and just is generally pretty sort of scatty and interrupts all the conversations. Not that Deborah would do that either. Um, you know, how, right, those things seem trivial, but they can, you know, people have divorced for you know, the way that they squeeze their husband or wife squeeze the toothpaste tube because it's the little things that really actually get get <laughs> to people in relationships. So, so, and, and likewise with chronic illness, there are going to be certain things that you know, with the right support, maybe the right information, people would be less nervous about going into a relationship with someone. Um, is that something that you've already built into the app or something that you might consider as a later date? Yeah, we're trying to build our social media presence right now, and we would love to have mm -hmm. those conversations. Obviously, we're not dating experts. Um, we don't have all the answers. Mm -hmm. You know, my advice would be be patient, be kind and communicate um, and talk about it. I think when people hold things in, things tend to – it's like a um, – Oh, I'm forgetting the word. <laughs> I know what I'm talking about. But anyway, it ends up festering inside you. Uh, pressure mm -hmm. cooker. And um, But we really hope that as our platform grows, we can have these conversations with dating coaches and experts and relationship experts and get this advice, you know, that's specific to, you know, it applies to everybody and specific to the community and our target market and really help foster those relationships once people get into them. Yeah. And I think coming from someone who's disabled, um, it can be really daunting to go into dating and having to manage your symptoms. And it's it can also be really scary and exhausting to have to explain your symptoms over and over again. And so, um, you know, just trying to be open. I think for me, it's really scary um, to, to be open and to tell someone how I'm actually feeling. Um, so, it's like Alexa said, open and communicate and, um, you know, be honest with the person and yourself. If you have limitations and you don't think you can do something, it's so important to, to actually tell the person I've been there many times where I know I can't do this particular activity, but I want to either like look cool or, you know, try to go with the flow. And I end up hurting myself and you know, becoming exhausted and having even more symptoms. And so I, I really strive to be more honest in my limitations and my capabilities and not be embarrassed that I might need accessibility accommodations. Okay. It, it's so powerful what you're trying to do. And I would say to the audience, um, we need to help these women. We need to help them. We need to not, it's so often we are not very welcoming to people entering into our industries and our communities. We need to stand behind these women. We need to do what we're doing on Access Chat. We need to give them a platform. We need to hear what they're saying. We need to join the conversations. And I do also want to um, point this out just because they told me this the other day, but right now they're in North America. So they're on the, this English, they're in the United States, they're in Canada and in Mexico. They're not in Greenland. Did y'all know Greenland's part of North America? Okay, never mind. Um, learning my, my, uh, <laughs> my geography, my, my, ge my geography these days, but, um, but they do want to expand and they're constantly being asked to, for people to expand. But I think what's fascinating, what they're doing is we should help them 
And we should learn from what they're going to learn, what our community is going to tell us. And, and dating apps are complicated anyway. People are lying out there. They're saying this. They're putting pictures out there that are not of them. I, I, there's a lot of ridiculousness going on in society. So they've got their work cut out. But what would happen if we got behind them and support them so they could really, really be successful? It, it, Neil put in the comment thing, catfishing. Yeah, we've heard about the catfishing. There's some bad things that happen on these dating apps, but it doesn't necessarily make these dating apps bad. We have to try to do this as human beings. And so I just want to really ask everybody to give them a chance. Please go out there, look at them. If you have constructive criticism, they want to know, but don't just go out there and start attacking them. We're so tired of that. That doesn't help us. That just dis it discourages us. So I would really like everybody to consider going in out to www.datability.com and signing up and figuring it out and, and joining them and helping them. And I've said to them, equity, whenever they're in this pre, you know, they're, you know, they're not funded yet and they're not profitable yet, but equity is the most expensive thing that you can give away at an early stage. So I've reminded them, don't give away the equity. Don't give away equity right now. So I think what I'm saying is we all have to support each other. We know many of you know that we're going to support entrepreneurs with disabilities at Billion Strong. And we certainly do here at Access Chat. But I just am sort of nagging and reminding everybody that let's support what they're doing and help them be successful. So back over on that note, just to talk about safety, as our top priority, and we know that data gaps, unfortunately, aren't perfect, and no social media network or social networking um, app is perfect, and we really stress the importance of being safe and knowing your red flag, so we do have safety tutorials and safety tips on the app, um, but, you know, it's... There, we're doing the best. We're doing it the best way that we that an app can do it. We have report buttons. We, um, you know, go through those reported profiles, delete anyone who's suspicious, and we're implementing a profile verification process. That that's an optional process, but it will give people a little, um, you know, peace of mind to know that they're not being catfished. So we we're really excited about that feature. Yeah, and we're doing. You know, we're hoping to do some more research and development into innovations in the future, technological accessibility, um, enhancing safety later down the line. Um, and I will say one thing, if you, we have a web app version in addition to a mobile app, you can, if you're going to the Google player app store, it's at datability. And then for the website, it's datability app, app.com. Excellent. Yeah. Yeah. Cause there, there's something in Australia as well, which need not be something you confuse. With. Yes, that's why I wanted to clarify. <laughs> we are not so, with yeah, excellent. So um, thank you very much. It's been a, a real pleasure finding out about what you're doing. And I think it's excellent. Um, much needed. I need to thank our sponsors, Amazon and my clear text for keeping us on air and captioned and really look forward to what I think will be a lively discussion um, on Twitter. Thank you. Thank so you. Excited. Thank you so much.